0: Hey, it's Steven Henderson on the podcast today. We talk about two things. One, the auto strike against the Detroit automakers. 13 days the UAW has been out on the picket lines. We're going to talk with the Region 1 director, about what it's like on those picket lines, what's at stake in the negotiations, and the growing political context of this action against the Detroit automakers. And then we're going to hear about a new idea to train more people here in Detroit to be EV charging technicians. We know that our infrastructure is not ready for the switch to electric vehicles that is coming from the Detroit automakers and others. Michigan Central is hard at work trying to figure out how to change that. We are now 13 days into the United Auto Workers strike against the Detroit Three automakers. And since these strikes began, they've only grown in their scope and their intensity. On Friday, the UAW expanded its strike against major car makers, walking out of all 38 parts distribution centers located in 20 states across the nation, which were run by General Motors and Stellantis. Indeed, these are historic strikes. I've said that again and again over the last 13 days. For the first time in modern history, for instance, a sitting president, President Biden, went to the picket line yesterday, joining UAW President Sean Fain and some UAW workers from here in Michigan. Here's a clip of the president on the picket line with those workers yesterday. the, fact the
1: matter is that uh You guys, UAW, you saved the automobile industry back in 2008 and before. Made a lot of sacrifices, gave up a lot, and the companies were in trouble. But now they're doing incredibly well. And guess what? You should be doing incredibly well too. You deserve the significant raise you need and other benefits. Let's get it! Get back who we lost,
0: okay? Very strong language from President Biden, absolutely siding with the workers in this dispute with the Detroit Three automakers, Uh, and he's not the only one who's doing that. We have heard, of course, from lots of Democrats who have been almost as strong as the president coming out and saying that automakers are making lots of money these days Workers made huge sacrifices during the bankruptcies and in the years after, and they're not being rewarded, at least not the way that management is being rewarded for that progress. Today, Donald Trump, the former president of the United States and someone who hopes to be president again, says he's going to run next year. He's going to be here in Detroit to meet with UAW members on the picket lines as well, and he is going to bypass the Republican presidential debate tonight in order to do that. That means the two central political figures during the next election cycle, at least for now, the incumbent and the leading Republican presidential candidate, are trying to win the favor of labor workers. Try to remember a time in history when that was true. So of course that makes this a really interesting political moment. That we're in. And as the strike goes on, it leaves us with a lot of questions. How long might the UAW be on strike? Is the labor movement gaining power in our economy, in our politics, in our culture? And have the demands of UAW workers changed at all in the last two weeks on the picket lines? It's one thing to talk about going on strike as a way of leveraging something you need out of your employer. It's another thing to be on strike, to be foregoing your paycheck while at the same time trying to maintain the life that you have. I know from personal experience that people's minds sometimes get changed by the strain of actually being on the picket line. That's where we begin the conversation today. And we, of course, want to hear from people who are involved in the strike. If you're someone who is walking a picket line, if you're someone who is involved in the UAW and hoping to gain a victory over the Detroit Three Automakers in these negotiations, give us a call. Let us know how you're feeling about all of this. What's going on in your world? How does it feel after 13 days? Is it different Than it felt when you walked out two weeks ago. Uh, Also give us a sense of how long you feel you could maintain uh, this strike. How long can you go without your paycheck? Uh, 313-577-1019 is always the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we can work you into the conversation that way. To help us sort through all of these things and talk about what is going on on the front lines of the strike. We've got a great guest with us today. LaShawn English is the Region 1 Director for the UAW, and that means she oversees several counties, including Lapeer, Macomb, Oakland, and Wayne, really the heart of Metro Detroit. Uh, LaShawn, welcome to the studio and welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Uh, I should also note, as we always do when we're talking about the UAW and this work action, uh, there are some employees here at WDET who are represented by the UAW. They are in a different local than the ones who are on strike right now. Uh, also, we reached out to General Motors, to Stellantis, and to Ford to get them to come on and talk about their side of things. I don't think it's surprising, but we do need to note that none of those companies wanted to join us to offer their perspective. Uh, LaShawn, so uh, let's start here. Uh, yesterday, President Biden was here supporting workers uh, in the UAW. As I said, there's no president in modern history who's who's done that. I think it, it really reminds us of the gravity of this strike, of the things Uh, that are at stake. I I wonder as one of the leaders inside the union, uh, how does that make you feel? What's your reaction to the president coming and joining the picket line?
2: I think it's very important that a sitting president, like you stated, this hasn't ever happened in the history of the United States that a sitting president came to a picket line I think that speaks volumes that speaks volumes to the American citizens to understand that the working class and this this strike is not just about the auto workers. This strike is about all workers and where we have fell so far behind. And so with putting the President of the United States here in front and coming, he's showing that the American workers that hey, it's time that we do reward the American workers. They are the backbones. We are the strength of the country that we have to make it great. Mm-hmm. It's not about the billionaires. it's not about the rich. And as President Sean Fein, it's not about a race to the bottom. We have to protect the middle class.
0: So so a year ago, uh, train workers, railroad workers were on strike. And President Biden signed legislation to block a national U.S. railroad strike. Here he is today saying, I'm going to support the workers of the UAW in their hope to get a better deal out of the UAW. It's it's quite a turnaround, and I think, again, it signals how different this particular struggle is. But you were just talking about how it's not just about auto workers, that this is about the middle class. This is about uh, making sure that there's fairness in the way that we decide who's compensated and at what rate. I, I want to have you talk just a little more about that strain of this, and I think that's one of the reasons that you see politicians and all kinds of other people uh, coming to the side of of the UAW in this strike.
2: I agree because you know we both know that billionaires are not shop. I mean, going to eat at Walmart. I mean, I should say that they're not going to. Applebee's, you're not going to see them at Logan. So it's the middle class that's keeping those people in those business and company. Our small businesses are also mostly supplied by your middle class. They're the ones who's shopping in there. So that, that's what's so important is that all workers, because you see the fight with Amazon, you see the fight with Starbucks, you see the fight with, with even McDonald's actually McDonald's actually make more money than the starting to pay for some of the workers that's in the auto industry. And this is not really easy work. That people just assume that it's easy working there. You know, we have had the stigma that we're lazy auto workers. But trust me, one day in there, people will not be saying that we really. We we are hard workers. We are very hard workers. So that's why it's so important that this strike, that people to know our stories, know what's going on in there. And I think what the politicians are—they're hearing us. I will say this: President Sean Fain of the UAW has put our story out there, and our story can be—people can be passionate about what's happening to the auto worker right now because you can't believe that someone's standing side by side with you, making the same wages, um, and it takes so. Some people will never get to the top wages. So I think that resonate with just the rest of the world. It's like, where does this happen? And we're starting to feel the, the difference of disparity that these companies are doing to the workers. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, uh, so, so I want to have you talk about, Your leadership inside the UAW and what that looks like for the last 13 days. It's one thing to to lead people when they are working, when they're Mm. going and 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 uh, you know working their shifts and and earning paychecks. It's another thing to lead people away from that in order to make the conditions and the pay better uh, inside. I wonder what the members are telling you about what they're having to do, the kind of things they're having to think about or manage right now, and how you as a leader, you know, build them up and, and fortify them to be able to continue to do all of this.
2: I'm going to start from the beginning. I think that the president, Sean Fair, and the UAW and the newly elected leadership prepared the membership because me going on and like talking to the members they feel like they're actually part of the negotiations. For once in their life, they can actually speak on the conditions and things that are going on. So they're well-versed and ready to stand up for what's rightfully wrong. Our members been beat down so long. So I don't even think right now they just want what they deserve, so that's the motivation. And we are doing so many different things are going on. I am so proud to be a UAW member, and I hear people tell me that every day. Mm. And on the strike lines, we have so many people dropping off food supplies, helping with the pickety wood. So I think that I think my the membership sees that and feel that they know that they're fighting for more, and just talking to them. You don't really hear. I think it's some 2019. It's, it's a big difference from 2019 when GM went on a strike mm-hmm. than it is today. Mm. I know it's only 13 days, but just going out there and I, I I tell everyone go out there and listen to the membership, and also go to Blue Cross because they're on strike too, and just listen to the members that are on strike, and you hear. The, the motivation to get what they think, well, I shouldn't say that get what we deserve because record profits mean record contracts. <laughs> Let's should. be clear. Right. And, and the membership is not being left in the blind to understand what's going on. Sean is actually telling them so you don't have that doubt. You're sitting out there. Someone else has your destiny in their hand, I should say, yeah. because you don't know what's going on. He's actually keeping everyone informed. So with that saying, it's like every person out there can speak about what's going on and then add their personal story. So I think this is the motivation that's keeping them going right now. They're passionate and going out there on the line. I speak to the employees. You know, I'm out there striking. I'm out there making sure they got water. My leadership, the guy, my staff We're staying there every day, one of the locations, well, all the locations pretty much that we have, and they're working and they're talking to the membership and keeping them motivating and having conversations. And I want to say thank you to all the local presidents and the shop chairs and the committee because they're out there Every single day, and I don't think any of them went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> None of them went sleep because they they know and you know to keep their membership up and ready. You know they're there.
0: Yeah. So, so you said that uh, there's a big difference between 2019, which was the last time there was a strike against just one of the Detroit three automakers. It was a GM strike, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and now, uh, from the perspective of the people that. You're working with and and representing. What what is that difference?
2: I think it's communication. I think it's communication. I think that everyone is on the same playing field. Uh, it's is you have skilled trades, you have in progression, you have retirees, you have so many different tiers. That for once we're all caring about each other, and because we know what's in the package, we know what. Our leadership is fighting for. We understand what's going on. We're not kept in the dark. And again, the leadership is walking the lines. They're going out there and talking to the lines. And also, like you said, a sitting president. That shows a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? You didn't have that in 2019. And I will say this, that the company during that time had all the narrative and the goal, and I would say, again, the UAW president, Sean Fein, within five months, he's only been in office for five months, to try to change the narrative and make it about the workers. And that's what it's about. It's about the American workers, and it's about the auto workers that are standing there on the strike line, and they feel the pressure about, they know there's not just about them. They know they're holding the shoulder of the world right now. Everyone's watching us, and they're proud. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get going with you, the listeners, on the phones and on social media. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Uh, LaShawn, I, I want to talk about what's on the table a little more. Uh, the UAW wants a 40% wage increase and in end-to-tiered wages ending temp workers, uh, profit sharing, better pension benefits, and a 32-hour work week. Uh, Remind listeners who are not caught up why all of these things are part of the strike. All of those issues together, it's a long list. Um, uh, Talk about why that's what you're demanding at this point from the Detroit Three.
2: So why we're demanding it is because the membership asked for it. These, are, our, these demands came right from the shop floor. They didn't come from the president of the UAW, the leadership, it came right from the shop floor. This is what our membership is demanding from us and that they want from the company. And this is what they think that this is what we deserve. I'm not gonna say think, this is what we deserve. Um, again, we have re- gave up so much to make the company survive and they haven't given anything back to the workers. So record profits mean record contracts. There's no need to give stockholders and billionaires additional money when it's time to start giving to the workers who makes the profits, who make the performance. You know, the performance, if you want to go by performance, then our workers have been performing because clearly your profits has showed. So, no, these demands were from our members. These came right to the shop floor of what they deserve.
0: Yeah. So, um Talk about the tension, I guess, that exists between the idea of a 40% raise and a shorter work week. Uh, if, If I were sitting in the employer's shoes, I might say, well, you can get one of those. Or the other, but but there's no way I'm going to give you both, right? And I'm not I'm not uh, right. I'm not a, a member of management at the companies, and I don't mean to make fun, um, but but it does I think in some people's minds uh, it, it stretches the imagination, right? That you could get all of that. Talk about those two things though, and why they're both on the table.
2: Well, I want to start with what you said stretches the imagination. We got to stop thinking like we're the businessmen. We need to start thinking about American workers. See I think people, when you hear our demands, we stop, forget the willing to to want more for ourselves. Mm. So let's start there. Let's just start that, you know, when outside people hear that we're asking for 40 and 32 hours. Well, let's be clear. What's wrong with asking for those things? Mm. You know, stop telling someone what they can't ask for. Stop telling somebody what they deserve. And to me, this is what my memberships feel they deserve. And, you know, I can tell you what, most people in the plant has to work at least seven days to make it. Seven days. That's not hurting. Most people thought once they get an auto worker's job that they made it. That's not true. That's not true for mostly almost a good proportion of our members. You have supplemental workers been doing this job for at least ten years or more are part-time workers. And they have to work 70, 60 hours a week. And that's considered a part-time
0: work. Right. And that's and that's in order to make the wage that you need to maintain your life because wages have dropped so much.
2: That's correct. You know, and that's another reason that the Democratics are here also, because guess what? They realize that all workers need to go up and pay. We all we we have to come to Realize that all of us need the higher pay right now. Everything went up—milk, cars. You can't afford the apartments. Everything has went up, but not the American worker. If you look at someone, what they make it today, they're not making—they're making less today than they are last time. So mm-hmm. years yeah. ago. So are we asking? We're asking for what we're due, and forty percent is really not a lot. It's really not. Yeah. But to uh, someone outside looking in, they assume just you hear that. But if you put the number. dollar amount of someone making the same thing that they made almost 20 years ago or 10 years ago, that's you. That's when you got to look at. You got to look at the big picture. Yeah.
0: And and look, I said uh, somebody might look at that and say it stretches the imagination to to think that you could get a 40% wage increase in a 32-hour uh, work week, but we should also know that as uh, the companies have recovered from the bankruptcies and as profits have grown, there are some folks whose compensation has grown exponentially over that time. Uh, Mary Barra, who's mm-hmm. the CEO of of General Motors, made about fourteen million dollars in twenty fourteen. That's a lot of money in and of itself, uh, but in twenty twenty two. She made almost $30 million, double what she made uh, not even 10, 10 years ago. So, you know, I think you got to apply that logic uh, both ways if you're going to apply it. If, if it stretches the imagination for workers to get a 40% increase, why doesn't it stretch the imagination for the CEO to be able to double? her pay uh, over that over that same time. And that's a question that the companies aren't really answering. What they keep saying is that they think what's on the table is generous, uh, but they're not getting to that issue, which is the fairness, the comparison between what you pay management and what you pay workers. And I think that is the bigger context of, of the whole strike.
2: I don't disagree. I just think that the companies looking at the employees like, hey, well, you should take this, and she's worth that much more? No, she's not on that floor. She's not in there in the hot summer. There's no air conditioning. She's not in there working day, missing birthdays, missing anniversaries, missing time with her family, where they got to work double the amount of work. Just, it, I think it was a study that went out that says one of our workers, it would take them 400 years to make what she make in one year.
0: Wow. Yeah. yeah.
2: So that's what I said. So stop and think about that. What's, what's wrong with that picture? Yeah. yeah. What's wrong with that picture? we got to quit fantasizing about the rich. <laughs> Let's take care of the workers. Yeah. And 40% is not a lot. It's not a lot if you really look at the big picture.
0: Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today and uh We'll work you into the conversation. Let's start today with Peter in Detroit. Peter, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Stephen. I'm a retired Teamster, and so I've basically been working the last uh, 40 years of my adult life to get to retirement. I've been out on the lines in uh, Centerline at Michigan Assembly in Wayne and up in Flint at the Burton Parts Distribution Center. And the reason why I'm out there and showing solidarity is because I feel this is a watershed movement in terms of uh, American labor and American workers. And uh, I'm thrilled that Sean Fain and LaShawn English and all these others have uh, become the leaders of the UAW because it's a breath of fresh air in terms of what's out there, in terms of what's possible. I'm hoping that this strike inspires many of my other brothers and sisters in other industries to look at what they've got and what they've sacrificed. Stephen, you talk about how long is this going to be, You know, the length of time, et cetera, et cetera. To me, if we all get out there on the lines, that's going to send a uh, message to corporate America that uh, we've had enough and it's our time to Mm -hmm. get, you know, the quarter of a trillion dollars that uh – Chrysler, Ford, and GM have made over the last 10 years based on our sacrifices. And it's not just them that's making that kind of money. Mm-hmm. It's corporate America. And sorry, but the time is up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, uh, I really appreciate the call and and your comments. And I, I, I think it's important to note that, as you said, you're not a member of the UAW. You were a member of another union, the Teamsters, uh, but you are doing solidarity work on the line with uh, with UAW workers. There are a lot of people who are not members of the UAW who are trying to find ways to show their support for this, and you're seeing that on the picket lines right now, right, LaShawn? Oh, yes,
2: uh, yes, trust me. They bring in wood, they bring in food, we preach all the labors. Everyone, like I said, it's, it's so refreshing to hear people come out to the lines i think we had a lady come all the way from mexico just to feel part of the strike she's not a union worker and she was interviewed and she stayed she said i have to be here because this is history and if the more support you get from the community the longer you guys can stay out here and this is the movement and i don't want to say put a time limit of how long we can stay hopefully we can stay until we get what we need We don't want to put that even thought in our head that we have to say there's a time limit. The time limit is time up, as Pete said, it's time up for the corporations, time to pay up. Mm -hmm. So however long it takes, we're out here to take care of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave called. He could not stay on the line. But he wanted to ask you, LaShawn, about Mm -hmm. the equal pay in 90 days for all UAW members, which is one of the provisions that the union has asked for. He wants to know how seniority Will play into that seniority, which is uh, part of the pay structure already at the at the Detroit Three. The idea of equal pay seems maybe at odds with with seniority. How does that how does that get worked out?
2: Uh, you know what is funny? I, I keep hearing this question, and I and I've thought about it a long time. That's the problem. That's the division that the company wants because seniority members are compensated. We get more time off we got a pension the new employees don't Don't. so but to say someone takes so many years to be efficient on a job i don't think no one thinks that's right it doesn't take someone eight years to get the top wages and they're actually probably on specialty jobs in the plant, quality jobs and stuff, doing jobs, this, but they're getting paid less. There's just a race to the bottom for the company to pit the workers against each other. So, you know, it's good that you have a lot vested to the company, but it's about all of us. No one should be doing the exact same work, exact same work, and be paid less. There's other ways to compensate our membership based on the time that they spend on the job. But as far as wages, cost of living, we all have the same issues. We should be paid the same at a certain time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, three one three five seven seven one oh one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go next to Gary in Detroit. Gary, what's on your mind?
1: Yeah, hi. Thank you for taking my question. Yeah. Uh, my question is As EVs progress and the demand form is great or greater, what is the future of the union going to do only because, from what I understand, EVs are less moving parts than a combustion engine car. So that means there's going to be probably a lot less workers putting these EVs together because of the lesser of parts in these vehicles. Hmm. So is the union looking looking forward to that as they change to more and more yeah. EV vehicles?
0: Yeah, I, I, Gary, great question. Uh, LaShawn, the, the, the transition that the industry is experiencing right now kind of looms large behind the strike. I think f- both for management and uh, for the UAW, this is not the same industry it was 10 or 15 years ago. But if you think forward to the next 10 or 15 years, we might not even recognize it. I think things are going so fast and and things are changing so fundamentally. Uh, how does the idea of work and preserving work, preserving jobs, fit into that, that context of, of transition? And does it have anything to do with the negotiations that are taking place right now?
2: Good question. That is part of our job security. That is part of our agreement. And record profit means record contract. And that means right now the company is making quite a lot of money. We understand the transition to EV and stuff. And they can afford our demands, let's be clear on that. But we are, and the industry has always changed. And the auto worker has always changed with it. So with the EVs, we also making that part of our negotiations. Um, those jobs are very technical jobs, and we already have skilled workers that needs to be going over there and working in those plants. As we know, we are aware that we may lose members, but again, those facilities should be good paying jobs, not a race to a bottom jobs. If you're aware of in Ohio, they the company had, the, at first they wanted to start those members off with $16, and they had to wear, make, because of the union, we got involved. And again, we still negotiating there, but they brought their wages up because again, they can't get people to work there. You are getting people who are getting electrocuted. There are a lot of things that are happening in these battery plants and different things that the company don't want us to know, but we're still, we're fighting for those members too. We want to organize those members, but not only organize them and make sure those are good paying American jobs. So this contract, this time, this is we're we're looking at everything, and this is part of it, and you're right. We are aware that we could lose members to this, but our members these companies still own these companies. Our members should have a right to go over there and work in these facilities because yeah, yeah. they're qualified.
0: so so, I also want to ask you about something I saw happening just yesterday, I think for mm-hmm. the first time Tuesday morning, General Motors. Announced that it is going to bring in temporary workers hired at $14 an hour to, account, to try to keep some of the parts and accessories flowing to the plants. That's a lot less than uh, than they would be paying, you know, UAW workers, uh, and of course the threat of of displacement, I think then enters the picture as well. I wonder, I mean, obviously you wouldn't be in support of that, but do you worry that the strike moving to that phase where the companies start doing things like this raises the stakes and makes it harder for a deal to get done?
2: Well, first of all, they can get people to come in at 1668 I'm going to tell you, you can have 100 people for orientation. By the end of the orientation, you might only have six (laughs) or seven people stay. Again, like I said, the work seems easy, but it's not easy. It's very hard. And then a lot of young people or new people that come in there and they're like, no, this is type. They're leaving at lunchtime. They're leaving at lunchtime. So why would you come and work for $14 when you can go work somewhere else and get treated a lot better for a lot more? So that we we're not, I would say personally, I don't know if the company should be aware of that. They're not going to get too many people that's going to sign up for that.
0: You think people won't take those jobs?
2: Oh, they won't. They won't take them when they were $16. So I can't imagine you said $2 less. Oh, 14. <laughs> 14. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, let's go to Justin in Livonia. Justin, welcome to the show.
3: Hi, thanks so much, Stephen. Appreciate you and LaShawn for uh, coming on. And I know speaking with a lot of uh, other strikers in solidarity and people on the picket line, the communication that you guys have had uh, with the rank and file has been really great and it's really hyping everyone up. Um, I just wanted to call and kind of echo what Peter had said earlier. I'm also uh, going out in solidarity to the lines of Ben too. Probably 10 or 11. So now, Romulus, mostly Wayne, Centerline. I'm not a union worker. Um, I'm actually with Detroit DSA. I work from home. I got the time and energy. Uh, I think this stuff is really important. So I've been going out and doing sign repair on the line and Mm -hmm. seeing what people need. Um, And I just wanted to call in and kind of like be a voice to say, You don't have to be a union member, you don't have to be in any type of organization, you can go out on the line, preferably throw on a red shirt or something like that, um, and just go talk to people and be on the line, just stand next to people, because everyone I've talked to, and I've talked to probably over 100 people, when they find out that someone is there who's not part of the union and they're from the community, uh, you can just tell that they brighten up, so... Um, I think it's really important that the community comes together on the UAW and I think they they really are. I was just in the coffee shop this morning talking about staying in line for a coffee talking about the demands and all that. So um, the community is really behind the UAW and Sean Fain and um, and yeah,
0: yeah I, I, um, Justin, I really appreciate you calling and and again, sharing the idea that that there are people who are not members of the UAW not involved in this who have decided to show up and so and, and show their support because they think the issues on the table are, are so important. Uh, really appreciate the call. Let's go next to Sebastian in Plymouth. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. hey.
1: Um, <laughs> thanks for having me. Uh, I,
3: uh, my, my question is, uh, does the union have any sort of like a, a deal with management um, in regards to preventing... Uh, AI and robotics from replacing the jobs
0: eventually? Great question, Sebastian. Uh, we were just talking about the transition to EV, which of course uh, means changing of, of, of people's jobs and maybe of levels of employment. Uh, but, but there is this kind of simultaneous change, which is uh the ability of computers and robots to do more of the work that we as humans do uh threatening to displace workers as well uh talk about that dimension of uh of the work and the negotiations LaShawn.
2: Um, it's not really much like you just said it's, technology is technology we were improved with technology that's what the american worker always do Again, you can't replace a human. AI or all these other technologies cannot purchase cars, homes, and cannot purchase grocery store. So that's what I keep saying. This is why it's everyone's fight yeah. because if we have to stand up and fight for. It. I mean, improvement is great. No one's knocking that. We all been forced to get improvement. We're all work with that. But at the end of the day, you got to have people. People. Mm-hmm. To eventually, yeah, you got to help people. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I, I do need to to wrap up in a second, but I I have got to ask you what you think about former President Donald Trump coming today. He's not coming to Detroit. He's not coming. I don't think to to be with UAW workers. I think they're they're a part of another union. But he says he wants to show his solidarity uh with with workers what what do you make of that
2: well, i'm gonna say we don't really need billionaires to help us <laughs> i'm just being honest no. we don't need billionaires <laughs> we, we we need we're focused on getting a fair contract we need biz you know we really do and hopefully that shop that he's out there hopefully they get to become union members that's <laughs> all I, hey if they truly believe right. hey the labor movement. Please advise them to organize and join a union. Yeah, that's right.
0: I, I misspoke. <laughs> He's not going to talk with union workers. He's going to talk with non unionized workers. And mm-hmm. that is an important distinction. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, LaShawn well, English, it was really, really great to have you here, uh, Region 1 Director of the UAW. Uh, Thanks so much for filling in our listeners on what's going on with the strike. Thank you. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking about the world of transit. We're going to focus more specifically on expanding training for electrical vehicle charging station technicians right here in the city of Detroit. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. We have been discussing the current political state of the auto companies. Now I'm going to turn to a little different aspect of the industry, their shift to electrification. But right now, of course, our infrastructure is completely unprepared for all the electrical vehicles that the auto companies say they want to make. Today, we've got some folks here in Detroit who are trying to change that. Michigan Central is working with the company Charger Help to train Detroit residents to become EV charging technicians for free. To talk about this program, we have two guests with us. Clarinda Barnett Harrison is the director of the Skills Initiative with Michigan Central. Clarinda, welcome to Detroit Today good morning thank you for having me and also with us is camille terry she is the ceo of charger help which is this company that maintains and repairs electric vehicle charging stations camille welcome to detroit today
4: good morning thank you for having me uh
0: Clorinda, i'm gonna start with you for listeners who don't know michigan central is of course this new mobility innovation district just west of downtown in Corktown, talk about what happens there. Uh, what do you guys are up to, and how it connects with uh, this uh, this effort with Charger Help.
5: Michigan Central is so exciting for the city of Detroit because we are the global epicenter of mobility and innovation. We work with collaborators across the ecosystem from founders to large companies, as well as academic institutions and the public sector in order to advance mobility tech at the intersection of mobility and society. Electrification is core to that, and so making certain that we have a fully comprehensive strategy to ensure that we are at the forefront of electrification in this country is critical to our success.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Camille, tell us about Charger Help. Uh, How did you get started, and what are you trying to do?
4: Sure. Um, so I'm from um, South Central Los Angeles. My co-founder is from Compton. And we were pr- both pretty new to like this space of electrification. Um, but what we did find out was that After stations were installed, there were different types of software issues and communication issues that the stations were experiencing. And up until 2020, there wasn't a prepared workforce. Um, My co founder used to work with the Department of Labor, and I have a technology background. And so we wanted to be able to create. A workfo- work- workforce of folks, right, that understood technology, but that also could work out in, in um, on the charging infrastructure. And we wanted to set a standard for that. Um, and so we started Charger Help in 2020. We're a venture backed organization. Um, we serviced over 16,000 charging stations across 15 states, and we're super excited uh, to be coming to Detroit.
0: Yeah. Um, Clarinda, talk about how. Badly, we are short, I guess, in terms of EV charging stations. How many more do we need in the state, in the country, and how many people do we need to train to make sure not only that they're up and running, but that they're serviced?
5: Yeah, this is an emerging industry. So we believe that there is exponential opportunity to uh, both train and create the infrastructure to revolutionize how we how we drive, how we move. Uh, so we know that by creating these equitable opportunities, starting here in Detroit, uh, making certain that Detroiters have an equitable and accessible on-ramp to training is vitally important. And we're excited to be the first in the country to be doing so in a way that allows for certification and uh, having EVSC techs um, be certified for the first time uh, ever. So it's a really great opportunity.
0: Yeah. Uh, Camille, I want to have you talk uh, about the difficulties you've seen in terms of Getting African Americans access to these kind of jobs, or just green energy sector jobs uh, in general, and then emphasize that uh, what, what you're doing here and what it's going to do to open up opportunities for African Americans.
4: Sure. Um- So one of the things that we found to be interesting, specifically in this space, is that there wasn't a lot of information that was shared, right? Like, when was the last time someone came to you and said, like, oh yeah, do you want to fix the electric vehicle charging (laughs) station? And so just from the mere fact of like sharing this information and then also connecting it to the future, right? A lot of folks are super into software, into technology, into getting certifications. And so we've been hyper-focused on just getting people um, information about this space and showing how it is connected to the future of mobility. And because of that, um, we've seen huge increases um, of folks wanting to participate in the space from diverse communities, including Black communities, and that, to me, um, as a South Central native, have been really cool. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's also very cool that uh, you and your partner are from Los Angeles, and now you're Detroiters. Uh, we keep I talking that about welcome <laughs> to the TV. What up, so? We keep talking about how important it is to get more people to to be Detroiters, but especially. Uh, attracting African Americans has been a real challenge here, right? Uh, We keep losing African American population to the suburbs and to other places. It's nice to hear about somebody coming here uh, from someplace else and saying, hey, this is going to be my home. Um, uh, Clorinda, I want to talk about how this fits into the, the sort of larger sector of uh, green energy and mobility and the things that Michigan Central is is talking about and focused on. Uh, you guys have a lot going on over there right now, and, and you just got started. So, <laughs> tell our listeners uh, a little about some of the other things that you're doing.
5: Yeah, um, what's really exciting is that electrification applies across various modes of transportation and mobility. We know that drone technology will need uh, electrification in order to power the, the revolution that's happening there. We know that maritime mobility will also need that, and of course ground mobility, and we're operating in all of those spaces, and so starting with electric vehicles is really critical because we have a chance to prove out how we can onboard people, uh, companies as well as employees and new founders in the space, and that then will translate to how we can also grow and expand in those other mobility areas as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Ryan in Franklin Village. Ryan, welcome to the show. Oh, hi. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, so I was so. I was curious, and I'll keep it short and simple. Um, what does uh, what is the average pay for this EV technician person? Yeah. And uh, just yeah, well, what is this? What is this? and you know what kind of education do you have to? Have? What kind of background education must must one have? Or what are you looking for?
0: Yeah, in order to get that opportunity, Ryan, it's a great question. Uh, Camille, talk about what you need to do to be able to. Participate in a program like this, and what you'd look forward to in terms of earnings once you were done.
4: Sure, I can talk um, briefly about our program in general, but we'll definitely pass it over to Clarinda for the specifics for Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we look for folks that are coming from um, adjacent industries, one, or folks that are really interested in field service work and also technology and software work. Um, when we started this uh, job class, one of the biggest things we wanted to do was to start a minimum wage of $67,000. So no matter where you work at across the U.S., if someone is using the terminology EVSE technician and you're certified through SAE, um, then you have to get paid that amount. Um, And then the last piece for us, right, we're super, super um, interested in folks that are looking at ways to troubleshoot and solve problems the problems that we find out in the field are complex they're new problems so you have to be very uh have a high sense of like critical thinking and problem solving and just be interested in learning new things um, because That is the biggest part of this job, but we will have to turn it over to Clinder for the actual
0: opportunity. We've got about a minute left, but I want to make sure Sure. you get a chance to explain that.
5: Interested parties can uh, go to www.michigancentral.com. Go to the community engagement tab and you will see an opportunity to express your interest. This first cohort is for Detroit residents, but we do intend to increase cohorts in 2024. Uh, But go to our website, sign up and we'll get back to
0: you. Okay. Uh, Very good uh, program. And again, uh, always fascinated at uh, what's going on over there at Michigan Central. Uh, Clement uh, Barnett Harrison and Camille Terry, thanks to both of you for coming in uh, to talk about what you're doing. And uh, congratulations on the work. Thank you. That's it for the Detroit Today podcast. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. We'll see you next time on the Detroit Today podcast.